Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. For almost a century, Pitcairn has partnered with some of the world's wealthiest families to meet their needs and drive better outcomes. They're a true family office located in Philadelphia, New York, and D.C., and oversee $7 billion in assets. Today, we have with us Rick Pitcairn, who's the chief investment officer at the firm. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. It's great to be here. Pitcairn is coming up on its 100th anniversary. That's an incredibly long time. Would you please tell us the history of your firm, how it started, and what it evolved into? Uh, sure. Uh, my great-grandfather actually founded uh, PPG Industries, which at the time was was primarily a, a glass producer for automobiles and, and, and buildings and so forth. And he amassed quite a fortune. He died at a relatively early age, so he left my grandfather and his two brothers as three wealthy, really wealthy individuals. Think about like the Walton family in Arkansas, that, that level of relative wealth. But they were young. Uh, my, the oldest was my great uncle, who was like 29, and my grandfather was like 21, I think. And pretty quickly, they decided that uh, uh, they would do better as a collective force than they would out in the world on their own. So they got the same lawyers and the same investment advisors and the same accountants and formed this single family office in 1923. And that served the Pitcairn family until we became a multifamily office in 1985. Uh, so we gained a ton of experience uh, through that period of time. That's really interesting foresight to do something like that way back then. Wasn't that unique? Uh, there was a few, but it really was. And, and, you know, it's funny as I joined the firm, uh, I was a chief investment officer for an investment concern in Texas and moved here in 2003. And you saw this culture at Pitcairn where we built almost everything because in the forties and fifties, there was really no service provider, nobody around. You, you had to build it yourself because it was unique at that time to be taking on all this wide range of services for families. And one of the things that I've championed uh, in the time that I've been here is beginning to look out and uh, uh, utilize our resources more efficiently by, by uh, 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 taking a, a bunch of the different services from the marketplace that just weren't available in the 40s and 50s when my, uh, when my grandfather and my uncles were, were, were running the business. Let's get into everything or let's get into what everybody is thinking about, talking about the markets. The headlines about the war in Ukraine continue. How do you see that playing out for the rest of the year? And what should investors look out for in equity markets? Well, you know, it's a, obviously been a tricky couple of days in equity markets. And it's the, it's the kind of days that, uh, you know, spark a lot of fear. And, and you start to see a little bit of indiscriminate panic selling. But I... I, I think that some of this could have been anticipated. Uh, as we rolled into the year, one of the things that we knew and talked about that we thought were really going to be important for investors was uh, 
the degree, uh, how transitory was inflation, how much of it is going to stick around, and how quickly the Fed was pivoting in terms of being uh, dovish in the summer of 2021 to very hawkish starting in November uh, of, of last year and, and running through to this year. The surprise and tragic issue in Ukraine combined with uh, uh, some of the COVID issues in the in Asia have continued to be inflationary in nature. In other words, if you were to ask Jay Powell and the rest of the Fed governors, what is it that we want to happen from a global geopolitics and macroeconomic standpoint, uh, these would have been these would have been the last two things. They don't want to see China locked down and clog up the supply chain. They don't want to see a, 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 a horrible geopolitical conflict that raises food prices uh, really across the globe. Both of these things happened, and that that is is one of the reasons that equity markets have struggled this year. And and we think that uh, while we're going to enter into a period where geopolitics will be more of a factor as we construct portfolios going forward, the real tail of the tape this year is going to be around the Fed's ability uh, and effectiveness in controlling that inflation. It's been a great 13 years in the equity market. Is this just a dip or something you think much more serious? Well, we're long-term investors, and we have made a lot of money for our clients and a lot of money for our families by not getting over emotional in periods of times like this. Uh, and, you know, we really believe in the long-term um, uh, ability of the capital markets to drive wealth across the generations. So we're really not one that would, would try to jump in and out of markets to any degree. I think it's important though, to take a look that, that this market is really changing and the nature of this market is changing. Uh, the kinds of things that made money for investors in the 2013, 14, 15 timeframe where you know you, you were buying a, a lot of what I call long duration equities or these uh, technology stocks and other stocks that uh, really have these fantastic growth uh, 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 prospects, but haven't quite realized those yet. Those were the darlings in uh, of the last five or eight years, but you're seeing a real rotation now uh as uh, into you know more utilities uh consumer staples energy stocks that really hasn't happened in the last 13 years uh and that combined with you know a fixed income market that is changing in its complexion by the day means to us that you know you really have to take a look at how your portfolio is constructed really to push against this idea of I really just want the things in my portfolio today that work well now. So you see a lot of investors do that. They have a portfolio, comes to the end of the year or the end of some period of time. They go down the list. They look at what had the negative numbers. Well, energy hasn't done much, so I'll throw it out. The traditional hedge funds haven't done anything in, in, in a bunch of years, so I'll throw it out. Commodities, I'll throw out. Well, that's all the stuff that's working right now. And we don't believe that investors in generally in general or ourselves or most investors have the ability to time that we believe in having a diverse portfolio that has all different kinds of assets in it so when a period of time comes like this you're positioned for the pivot and that's what i think is really important for investors to remember is there's gonna be money to be made over the next three years it's not the end of the world but it's going to be a different kind of a market 
yeah, you started to answer this, but I want to specifically say how do investors succeed and more importantly, fail in this environment? Well, I think, um, I think it's very easy to get over emotional and in, in, in an environment like this. Uh, I see uh, emotion creep into markets, you know, when uh, in, in when you haven't been big downdrafts like this. I also see emotions creep in a lot around politics. You know, I have a lot of uh, clients that from one side of the political spectrum or the other will say, you know, this person that gets elected, the mark, the country's going uh, going down the tubes and we have to sell everything. You know, and I think th that kind of extremist thinking doesn't work well for capital markets. I think we need to be more balanced and more long term in the way that we think, you know, no matter uh, how bad the market got in 2008, no matter how ugly it looks right now. You know, last I checked, Warren Buffett didn't go into cash. You know, he's rotating. He's thinking intelligently about how to build the portfolio for what's working. And investors ought to think along those lines, how to take advantage of this environment rather than how to sort of be controlled by the emotion of it. Now, stocks, it's, you know, stocks are uh, one of the few things that people want less of as they get cheaper. Uh, and, and that's a real uh, uh, phenomenon that you see, particularly in days like yesterday and today, where the market's going down sharply. Uh, but 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 uh, I think to master those emotions uh, is is the way that you succeed, and to succumb to them is really sort of the way that you fail. You have some insight into some of the largest pools of capital in the markets. What do you see, and where do you see people getting tripped up? I think, and it, it sounds, you know, like a sort of esoteric topic, but I, you know, an investment policy, a real roadmap for thinking about your investments in a long-term framework is really something that I think serves long-term investors well. And every family that we serve has one. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you go back and look over periods of time, like 1999, where everything was, you know, all the internet stocks were going crazy. Investors tore up their uh, investment policies because they wanted to take more risk. They felt like they, you know, they were going to miss out on something exceptional. And they moved away from a rational, well thought out plan to move into riskier assets at exactly the wrong time. And we saw exactly the converse of that in 2008, where you know, there was not as much fear. There's there's more fear than there is right now, uh, but it's a similar environment to where you have right now, to where there's a re restatement, stocks are going down hard, a lot of, lot of fear around, and people would take out that investment policy and say, ah, that was great for 2005, but I'm going to tear it up and go to cash at exactly the wrong time, and realize that a good investment plan contemplates environments just like the one that we're in. Now, this is not abnormal to have uh, markets go up, uh, excesses get built into those markets, inflationary pressure get built in, uh, the Fed comes in uh, and tries to tamp down the speculation in the markets, and they do that by uh, restricting uh, uh, liquidity in the marketplace that, that, that pushes that down, and markets go down for a bit as that speculation gets run out. Investors need to look at this through the prism of normalcy rather than the, the prism of, oh, it's never happened this way before because of COVID or because of Ukraine. It's never happened like this before. So I have to do something exceptional. You really don't. You have to make sure that your plan is sound and stick with your plan, particularly when emotions are running as high as they are right now. 
what are the inherent advantages to long-term capital versus nimble capital? Well, you know, it's a, it sort of follows on uh, the response that I just gave you. And we're fortunate in our business to where we, we, we have these families, you know, that, that, that they, 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 they generally have very long-term horizons. I'll have uh, clients come to me and they say, Rick, I, I want an investment plan that lasts for the next 50 years or lasts for the next 70 years. And generally, you know, they think of it as they think of something that stable and that long-term as, as, a, uh, as, as being, uh, as being too stayed and not as, you know, they look at the nimble trading that goes on in the hedge fund world and that goes on uh, that you, that you see more in the media and, and they, they think that that's an advantage. And I really believe it's quite the opposite. I think to be able to have execute on a long-term multi-decade plan is a real advantage. There's only a few investors and you and I aren't two of them who can trade on a day-by-day basis and create a fortune. The real way to create a fortune is to, is to, is to have an ownership mentality over assets, be they public or private, uh, uh, domestic or U.S., a, a sole business, a basket of equities, and let that run for you for a long period of time. That's that's the real way to to succeed. And long-term investors actually have that advantage over nimble investors. The long-term investor, he does not have to to decide today. Was you know the market? The Dow Jones was down 1,100 points yesterday. Uh, and the nimble trader has to decide, was that the bottom or do we have more uh, downturn to come in June or July? The long-term investor doesn't have that execution risk in their plan. They know that by uh, following a solid set of rules and and having discipline around their investments, they stand a a very good chance to succeed over the long haul. And to me, that's a real advantage in the marketplace, particularly when it's doing what it's doing, things like like it's doing right now. Yeah, the media creates an immediacy to make a trade. And understanding your clients are a bit different than most, there still must be some coaching that goes on because we're all human. Uh, oh, totally. You know, and, and uh, it's, it, the media doesn't necessarily exist to inform us. And that may not may be somewhat of a controversial statement, but in other words, if, if you and I ran the weather channel, for example, and, and there was a hurricane coming, you know, primarily what they're trying to do with the Weather Channel is to increase their advertising revenue. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to stay and watch uh, so that they can uh, make advertising revenue. Well, if that hurricane is out there and we have somebody that has their foul weather gear and all their rain wear and they're out on the end of the pier, if they say, well, it looks like it's going to be a normal sort of a small fir- a storm that we'll miss, you know, that's not going to be very helpful to keeping people on through the break. But if they say, hold on through the break and we'll tell you how to survive this unprecedented thing that's coming at us. Well, that 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 um, uh, achieves their goal of viewership. It may or may not fully in, uh, uh, inform that viewer. And very much the same thing goes on through the financial press. So we spend a lot of time. I'm spending a lot of time right now trying to help uh, investors, you know, hold on to what's real, uh, realize that after the, you know, the three, four years that we've had, 
markets are going to go up and down. There's many variables left in this year. It probably is going to turn out to be a pretty bad year for a long-term investor. That's normal. It's not any fun, but it's not abnormal. We have bad years from time to time. Uh, but the real mistake is uh, to take extreme action in the face of this normal activity. And that's the kind of coaching, uh, really behavioral finance coaching that we're trying to bring to our clients on the investment side. We have the advantage of also working with our clients in any range of their efforts. We call that our wealth momentum, where we're trying to check up on the health of a family in, you know, not only financially, but in the way that they educate their children, the way they bring their children along. And all of that helps to build the relationship of trust with the client so that we can help them overcome the emotional times like we have right now. All wealthy families want to avoid the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves and three generations possibility. How do you approach educating Gen 2 and Gen 3 to avoid this? Uh, I referenced our wealth momentum model earlier uh, uh, about educating appropriately these these generations. And I think a, a, a wealthy family organism, you know, it just doesn't exist on spreadsheets and in an investment portfolio. I think, you know, the 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 real objective truths of of estate planning and and investments are very important to a family. But there's a whole nother axis around family learning and family governance and, and empowerment of future generations to make sure that they do with that wealth what was intended. I'm, I mean, I have yet to meet a wealth creator. And in my job, I've been fortunate to meet many, many over over the uh, uh, over my career. I've yet to meet one that has made a lot of money so that their heirs can fight about it after they're gone. They make that money so that it can empower their heirs. They empower them either philanthropically uh, or in their own lives to pursue and to create and be and and, it, and, it, and achieve their potential. Uh, and that's what wealth mo momentum is all about in my mind, is bringing all of these disciplines together to support that family. And uh, education is really important as you, as you get down in, in Gen 2 and Gen 3. We're fortunate as a business to where we focus on multi-gen families and many, many of our clients, we are serving more than one generation at the same time. Uh, and, and, and I'm a personal believer in education for those families, I think, uh, and those generations, you know, I, I run into some people and they just say, you know, Rick, I, I really don't want to spoil my kids. I don't. So let's just not say anything about it. Let's, let's not, let's, let's just be quiet and we'll figure out the right time to tell them about the wealth that they're going to inherit. And and I, I'll respectfully nod and I'll say, what did you do last weekend? And they say, well, the kids and I, we we, we went to Aspen. We took a flight. Uh, we took a private jet out there and it was great. The kids loved it. And I'm like, you know what? If they're coming off of a private jet, they know. Right. They love, yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea that you know we, we're going to keep this a secret is is really not uh, uh, not realistic. And 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 there's certain appropriate levels and appropriate information for appropriate ages. But the more you can engage in this conversation, I think the more you empower these generations. We're uh, on on uh, uh, generation seven right now in the Pitcairn family uh, 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 from my great grandfather, and 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 uh, I hope we can uh, drive that wealth a lot further. Uh, families evolve, but I don't think it has to be three generations at all. I think it can be significantly longer than that. 
I think it takes um, a lot of different disciplines and a lot of different initiatives uh, to allow that to happen. You've been doing this a while. What about it still satisfies you? Well, you know, um, that's a good question. Uh, uh, <laughs> market days like yesterday don't satisfy me. <laughs> I, I, know, I, know, I know that's for sure. I think that um, it's a real honor to have your advice trusted at Pitcairn. On the investment side, you know, we don't sell product of any kind. We just make our money off of our advice. And it's a pretty pure deliverable to those families. And, you know, uh, to, to see a wealthy individual or a family that crosses that bridge of trust and is able to live their life in a more uh, peaceful and meaningful way because they don't have to worry about days like yesterday as much because they trust the advice that 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 we've given them or that I've given them as chief investment officers that we've given them as a firm and that peace of mind that you have, you can you can see it. And that's a super satisfying uh, element of this job that that you're you're actually helping people uh, and that allows them to pursue all sorts of, 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 of ventures, which I believe provide societal good, whether that be. Uh, 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 philanthropically or through entrepreneurship or wherever that is. Uh, and, and, and for me, that has to be the most satisfying thing. Rick, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate you spending the time with me. Thank you. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, the Power Your Advice podcast team. This is Doug Heikinen.